In a world filled with information, where do you turn to get straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money? Lock it in to the longest-running financial talk show in Arkansas and let us help you build the bridge between information and application. Real financial change begins right here, and it starts with you. It's showtime! On today's show, we are turning things over to you, taking your questions again. So ask us anything. We've already received a few questions, but there's certainly room for more. So what's on your mind? The Get Ready for the Future show starts now. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. And welcome in. Good morning to you. And welcome to the Get Ready for the Future show. Once again, saddled up here, my name is Scott Inman, John Shrewsbury, and Janet Walker with me. And the floor is yours today. You know, it is retirement planning week. There's a week for everything. There's a day for everything. This is one we can get behind, you know, a little bit more than apple pie day. Although I do like apple pie. There's nothing (laughs) wrong with that. But it is retirement planning week. So what better time to answer your questions about retirement investments and your money than today we did this a while back we in fact we do it rather frequently i would say or occasionally at least uh just kind of turn the floor over to the listeners and we need to kind of go over i guess i would be tempted to call them ground rules they're not really ground rules but just the the method of how we want to receive the questions we've already received a handful uh one of them several of them came from last week's show on social security uh, we solicited them on social media, got a few responses there as well. But that doesn't mean there's not room for you to chime in today. If you are watching on live stream, uh, either on Facebook or our YouTube channel, you can send it in in the comment section and we'll get to it over the air. If you're listening on radio or a podcast, obviously this is going to be pre recorded for you. So you will need to email your questions and we have to get them in them in on a later show and we will do that you can email it to info at get ready for the future.com and we'll squeeze them in on our next show so now that that's all out of the way this is gonna be fun yeah i'm gonna have a good time because i love uh answering questions from our listeners our clients our prospects people really want to know about money it's that old thing you know that if ef hutton talks people listen ef hutton's not even around anymore but uh if 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 uh, somebody's talking about money most of the time somebody's listening because it affects everything in your life Uh, without any money you don't have a whole lot of life and so we want to answer your questions today and uh, would love to to dive in with you and also ryan dietrich is coming up to answer questions about that we're going to pose to him about the markets yeah so we're answering questions and asking questions that's right in today's show so our first one let's jump in the first ones are going to be about social security so if you missed last week's show uh, it was all on social security we had mary beth franklin our guest who's a social security uh, expert she writes uh, books and is a contributor uh, to writing articles about social security follows it very well and joins us on the program quite frequently we uh, should point out too that you can catch that show on podcast if you missed it as well but we got uh, some questions from one of our listeners joanne connor and she tuned into that show and we're going to kind of work through some of the ones that she wanted to talk about she was wanting to know about drawing on an ex-spouse drawing a social security benefit on an ex-spouse what are the rules around that do you need to be retired or not working or past retirement age so let's kind of talk a little bit about the rules around Social Security when it comes to drawing off of an ex-spouse's benefit. This is one of the more unusual uh, benefits that mm-hmm. Social Security does provide, but it's also kind of complicated, Janet. It, it is a little bit. And, and as we talk through this, um, be sure to follow you know which person you are in this scenario because it's, it's about you drawing the income. So as we talk through this, you are considered the ex-spouse. I understand that you have one as well, but you're considered the ex-spouse the way we're looking at this. If you're looking at drawing it so you had to have been married for 10 years or more and let's let's stay on this for just a moment that means you're going to have to provide documentation to demonstrate that you were married for 10 years or more so go and dig out that marriage certificate and the divorce decree so that you can show dates on that and and i have a friend whose marriage happened to end exactly on their 10th anniversary and she didn't know at the time that that could impact her retirement and so it was a blessing that it wound up being that 
period of time instead of one day less. That one day would have made a big difference. Another thing is that in order to collect a divorced spouse benefit, you have to not be married at the time that you're receiving it. Now, the your, your ex could be married. It doesn't matter. But if you're the one applying for the divorced spouse benefit, you have to not be married in order to receive that. You also have to be age 62 or older. Now, it's not necessarily that you don't have you don't have the ability to work, but I think that that earnings rule still right. applies to you drawing Social Security. So, you know, the earnings rule in Social Security is that if you claim a benefit prior to your full retirement age, then you're going to be needing to make less than about $17,000 and some change per year, or they're going to take away a dollar for every $2 you make over that benefit. So it becomes a diminishing return at some particular point uh, of not drawing that Social Security benefit while you're working. But uh, that is, again, another complex rule. And the benefit that your ex-spouse is entitled to uh, entitled to receive is based on their own work is less than the benefit that uh, they would receive based on your work. And so, again, it gets into that, uh, what's the bigger benefit yeah. that... And it may not be a benefit at all for you to draw on an ex-spouse, depending on what your benefit is. Well, and you don't have to know what that calculation is. In fact, they're not going to let you know what your ex-spouse's calculation is going to be unless it's in your favor. You just have to go and say, here's the information, and they'll plug that in and run it for you. Now, on the bottom line on all of this, uh, as we talked about on last week's show on Social Security, is it really comes down to the plan and what your overall income needs and wants are in retirement before you make any social security decisions. Yeah. I I think that, uh, you know, clearly if you have a need or it's to your advantage to draw on an ex-spouse's benefit, uh, you mm-hmm. want to do that, sure. and and it doesn't impact their benefit. You know, I've had people go, well, do they have to know? And can I tell them I'm drawing on their benefit and stuff like that? It, it, none of that really matters. It's really very much a mathematical equation. And there have been times, Janet, as we have worked through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Social Security planning mm-hmm. sessions with clients, uh, there have been times where it is to their advantage, and there have been times when it really didn't matter. Yeah, and I'll I'll give a few other just scenarios. When you apply for Social Security, we actually sat beside somebody who was applying online this week. They were doing it, but they were kind of nervous about it. So they were like, well, you just sit here while we go through this process. And they were confused about why it was even asking them, like, are you married? Have you been previously married? And, and it also asks, do you have any children? And, you know, finding out if they have dependents because they are also due a check if you're retired and receiving your Social Security benefit and you have minor children living at home, they can get a benefit as well. So don't be surprised. We're talking about questions today. Don't yep. be surprised at all the questions that Social Security actually asks you when you sign up for your benefit. They're just trying to make sure that you get what is due to you in that process. Behind the Wizard of Oz curtain. <laughs> hangs in the social security office there is a lot of if then uh, scenarios that are being played out and that's what that's all about and so as you work through that just know that there's a method to the madness of asking you all those questions because behind the scenes they're going through that if then calculation and going okay well we need to go down this path as opposed to this path. Well, people think of financial advisors as solely investment advisors, not here at GenWealth. That is a big part of the overall holistic planning approach that we take to retirement is a social security analysis and strategy and even helping with the application process for benefits. If you want to walk through the ready-to-retire process, a phone call will start at 501 653 7355 or an email. It's the same one we told you at the top of the broadcast, info at getreadyforthefuture.com if you want to learn a little bit more about that. All right, so breaking from Social Security just a little bit, but not really entirely. Our next question, I'm trying to retire this year. What do I need to do first? Well, the first thing you need to do is you need to establish a relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Uh, Your financial advisor is going to be your partner, if you will, through this retirement journey. They're going to be your guide to walk you through the entire process. 
And if they do not exhibit the traits of a guide of having knowledge and having expertise and knowing the way that you need to go, then you probably need to find another financial advisor. Uh, that's really the bottom line. And that is, I think that is the key to that relationship. But Janet, that is not the only thing. You just don't show up at an advisor's office and go, right. I'm ready to retire. What do I do? You know, right. And there's a lot more to it. So you can start by actually getting a checklist that we have available mm-hmm. for you. If you're planning to retire in 2021, there's a checklist that we can provide to you all you need to do is text us the words retire 2021 all all together no spaces retire 2021 and the number for you to text that to is 501-381-5228 just text retire 2021 and we'll get that out to you if you'd prefer to go online and get that you can go to getreadyforthefuture.com forward slash retire 2021 And Scott, I would say that the GenWealth Ready to Retire process is an integrated process that we use here at GenWealth to take people from working to retirement or a semi-retirement or a work retirement, as we call it, a hybrid retirement. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are able to to do that in in several different ways. But the, the key is having a process and having a methodology of getting through this complex situation of retirement. We were just talking about Social Security and how complex that is. There's a lot more complexity to retirement than just Social Security. That's how Social Security interplays with all of your other money. What are you going to do as far as things like uh, long-term care? Do you have an emergency fund in place? Are you uh, working on trying to, to eliminate debt as you prepare to retire? There's a lot involved in it. And I, I hasten to say that, that the sooner that you establish that relationship with a financial advisor, the better. And if you're thinking about retiring in 2021, now's the time to do that. Don't put it off until you're you know, within a day or two of your retirement date. We've had that happen and we can deal with that, but that is really not the optimal way to deal with that. I think of what we talked about at the beginning of the program. It is retirement planning week. The word planning needs to come into play there. So if you're planning to retire this year, you need a plan and that plan needs to be more than just a collection of investments. And I would also say Your asset level is vitally important, but it is not the most important thing. So get off of that number and think about income. That's the number that I would begin to think about if you haven't already, thinking about expenses that are going to carry on through retirement, what your required income need on a monthly basis is going to be, and then what do you want in discretionary income above and beyond that number, your monthly income. Get focused on that. Then give us a call or give us a call before you get focused on that because we can help you walk through those uh, questions as well. So we're asking or we're answering your questions, inviting you to ask us anything. A reminder, if you're watching on our live stream, you can uh, send in a comment in the comment section. Just uh, click that in there and we will see it and get to it. We've also received some on social media. And in the next segment, or actually the next couple of segments after we talk to Ryan, we'll get to a couple of those as well. But we do have a couple of minutes left in this segment. How about this question? I'm a teacher. What do I need to know about retirement? And certainly when you get into the public employee side of things, it's a little bit different than, than those of us that, oh, those of us that will not have a pension. Yeah, it, it is. And we'll go ahead, and even though the question was a teacher question, we'll go ahead and include uh, firemen and police officers because sure. they're in somewhat of a comparable situation. So you're going to have a pension available to you at the time that you retire. And obviously, you know, that's basically like having a Social Security income. It's a guaranteed source of income that's going to be there as long as, as you're living. The question is, what's going to happen to that income when you're gone? And if you are married, then that survivor benefit is very important. We believe that even the decision on the pension payout alone is worthy of having a conversation with an advisor. It's a very important decision when you look at your household income for the time that you're going to be retired. And then beyond that, let me get to to talk to people who are maybe farther out from retirement and they're looking forward way down the, the road. You have access through these employers to something called DROP. For teachers, it's T-DROP, Deferred retirement option plan or program. This allows you to defer your retirement, not collect your pension, 
and for a longer period of time, and they stack that money up for you. So it becomes available to you as a lump sum for you to use as an IRA later on uh, before you retire. That and or participating in a 403B, those are critical ways to supplement your pension. I would just say your pension is great. We're glad you have it, but you're going to want to have some more flexibility, and you can do that through those retirement plans that are available to you. Reminder, you can ask us anything today on the Get Ready for the Future show, but we are going to switch from answering questions to asking them. Ryan Dietrich, LPL's chief market strategist, will join us on the program, but we're going to take our first break and be back with that interview next. Stay with us. It is Retirement Planning Week, and we are having you ask us anything, taking your questions and answering them on today's Get Ready for the Future show. But in this segment, we're going to reverse those roles. We get to ask the questions because we are joined by LBL Chief Market Strategist Ryan Dietrich, who joins us quite frequently on the program about once a month. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning. I'm glad to be back. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, we are glad to have you back. And I feel like we have so much to talk about. A busy, busy busy segment coming up here. Uh, Let's kind of start with the the optimism that I think that that is out there. Certainly, if you take a quick survey of LPL Research Dot com. It shows some headlines and phrases like improving economic conditions, uh, Goldilocks first quarter, but this one really caught our eye, best economic conditions of the 21st century. So I guess yep. the obvious question here, are things really that good? And if so, why are so many people still fearful of where the markets are right now? Yeah, Scott, I mean, things are no doubt improving, right? Just a week ago, the Dietrich family, we went down to Disney down in Orlando. And I'll tell you, it's pretty crowded. The highways are crowded. The hotels are crowded. People are getting back out there. So, you know, yes, some of that is a little playful with the, you know, the the titles. But just last week, the ISM data we saw in services and manufacturing were some of the highest numbers we've ever seen, right? Over 900,000 jobs created last month, way more than expected. The truth of the matter, I know we're going to talk a little bit about our GDP forecast in a second, I believe, but the truth of the matter is, just, I don't care who you were, right, at the start of the year, the economy's got a lot better than even the most bullish, optimistic people um, that came into this year. And now people are up in their estimates. And the truth is, you know, earnings season's kicking off right now. It's early, but it's looking really promising that that, that uh, corporate America is going to justify kind of the levels we have. Now, why are people still worried? I mean, the economy's coming back, but it's not fully open, right? I mean, we've still got millions and millions of jobs to come back to get to where we were. Still, a lot of people are struggling. There's no question that the battle with COVID and getting the economy truly back. Um, and at the same time, fear of heights. We're up over 80% on the S&P 500 from those lows a year ago. Um, there is a little bit of a fear of heights with some people that maybe have missed the rally. But tr- the truth is, things look, we come on, I've come on for a while, so things look pretty good. Yep. Market keeps agreeing, the stock market and the economy looks uh, good as well here. So, Ryan, there's this group of people called the purchasing managers, and they have an index. Everybody has an index these days, but uh, the purchasing managers have an index. And that led you guys to say, hey, look, this index looks like the best economic conditions in the 21st century. What does all that mean and why is it important to people? Yeah, John, those are surveys, right? So like there's a manufacturing survey that they do. And again, it just came out highest level in 37 years. I don't want to get too geeky with this. It's a diffusion index. So it's not the absolute highest it's ever been. But in terms of this diffusion index, it's the most optimistic these purchasing managers have been on the manufacturing front in 37 years and an all-time high for what these guys are saying on the services side of things. So, you know, the, the truth is when you look at manufacturing, we found at LPL Research, manufacturing, kind of how these surveys do, six months later correlates really closely with earnings. So if you've got the highest PMI on manufacturing in 37 years, it likely means six months from now, we're going to see some explosive earnings. And John, as you know, earnings drive long-term stock gains. And this is just one, this is just one bullet point. Now there's a lot of other things to consider, but this one bullet point, when we saw that is quite comforting thinking that earnings are going to continue to justify this bull market and this big rally that we've seen over the past 12 months. Ryan, let's talk a little bit about GDP growth. Um, LPL Research has increased the forecast from the five to five and a half percent range up to six and a quarter to six and three quarters percent. What's behind that really pretty optimistic forecast? Yeah, Janet, I mean, it's kind of some of the concepts we just talked about. I mean, the economy is opening up more than we expected, you know, just three or four months ago. Now, here's the kicker. You know, we'll say, let's say 6% GDP. I mean, that would be one of the best GDP prints we've ever seen since World War II. All right. But the key thing is, 
Look at a place like Goldman. Goldman's got an 8% GDP. Some other places have even higher. We're not sure if we're going to quite get that high, but the truth is things are opening up. The GDP looks really good. Now, the interesting thing about GDP, it doesn't always correlate to stock returns. What I'm getting at last year was the worst GDP we saw uh, down to about 3, 3.5% or so. The worst GDP we saw since the Great Depression, yet stocks gained 16%. You know, and so we've seen some really big GDP prints and stocks don't do quite as well. Again, Again, a lot of it has to do with the concepts we talked about last year. The stock market's a forward-looking mechanism. The reason the stock market was so strong late last year, maybe even early this year, it was sniffing out that big economic recovery that we're going to see the second half of this year. Ryan Dietrich, our guest, Chief Market Strategist at LTL Research on the Get Ready for the Future show. Ryan, I want to back up and talk a little bit more about earnings. You mentioned that briefly a couple of questions ago, and I got a chance to look at the a graph that LPL Research put out of the uh, looking back at 2019 and 2020 and seeing that nosedive uh, in Q2 of last year and how well they rebounded and how it beat expectations in Q4 Take it from there on Q1 expectations and how they've just kind of continued to be ratcheted up. No, they absolutely have, Scott. So we'll see what corporate America has to say, but we are expecting first quarter earnings to be up over 30% year over year. Now, let's be honest, the first quarter last year wasn't great. Second quarter last year was terrible. Second quarter, when I'm with all of you guys in three more months, we'll talk about second quarter might be up as much as 50% month over month. But let's say we hit 30%, which we think is possible here at LPL Research. That'll be the best year over year quarterly gains in earnings in more than 10 years. And again, it all comes down to what is going on. Your revenues are increasing, earnings are increasing. You look where the earnings growth's coming from, places like financial, technology, consumer discretionary, right? People weren't spending a lot of money a year ago. Now they're spending a lot more money. And again, I can tell you because Disney was packed. Um, there's a lot of reasons to think that these earnings show, again, confidence is coming back. It's not perfect. I don't want to be all Pollyanna here, but it, there are clearly things coming back and people spending money and earnings. It all part of the overall major new cyclical bull market that we think we're in and a new economic expansion, which has started you know, fairly recently. And this economic expansion could have a lot of life left to it in our view because of earnings. So Ryan, uh, lest anybody thinks that uh, you're sipping the Kool-Aid these days and, and just are, are totally positive, obviously the bond market is is having some problems and you guys are recognizing that uh, because of uh, the spike in interest rates that we've seen on the market, bond investors are really kind of in a, almost in a bear market uh, situation, especially if they're long on a treasury bond. Yeah, John, you're right. I mean, there's almost two stories, right? I mean, like if you look at treasuries, longer term treasuries, they recently went into a bear market down 20% from their peak, I think last August or September. This was one of the worst quarter, the first quarter was one of the worst quarters for bondholders ever. All right. And when I came on the early this year with our forecast, we said, listen, the economy is going to open up a little bit more inflationary pressure, likely higher yields. What do we know? Yields go up. Bond prices tend to be pressured lower. And we said we'd be overweight stocks relative to bonds. And sure enough, S&P's up like 10% for the year as we speak. That was kind of our target at the start of the year. And bonds are flattish to down. That's kind of what we expected. It's like, boom, it all happened in the first quarter. But again, the economy does better. Yields go higher. Bonds could uh, continue to underperform bonds. I'm sorry. Bonds could underperform stocks. Uh, The remainder of this year is still how we see it. Ryan, we've been taking questions from our clients today, so I'm going to share with you the most frequent question that we get in the meeting room these days. Oh, oh boy. Hey, I didn't see this coming. Let's hear it. You're right. ready. I, I promise you, you've heard this too. Yeah. They ask okay. us consistently. The government keeps giving away mon- money. They're giving away money on every day that ends with a Y. How in the world are we going to pay for this, and what is the impact going to be to me personally for my retirement? Well, I mean, excellent question. You know, we've got record deficits out there. One thing to remember when you have big deficits and big spending, that tends to push the U.S. dollar a little bit lower. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. You want, If the currency goes down just a little bit, that, that can be okay. And that can actually help multinationals and large caps. But the truth of the matter is U.S. has had a lot of debt. And there's no question we've got record debt and continue to build that debt. But you guys know net wealth is at an all-time high, right? Stock market is all-time high. I call this denominator blindness, to so just blind say, oh, we've got $30 trillion worth of U.S. debt. It's true, all right? But we're actually worth some more money uh, at the same time. And let's not forget low interest rates and low inflation also play in here. Now, believe me, if the 10-year yield went to 5% um, from a current level, about 170 right now, uh, by a year from now, we could be in trouble. But with rates this low and inflation this low, it makes sense to us. This is kind of when the government's going to leverage debt. Uh, You know, we've got more coming, right? Like we kind of hinted at there. We've got a major infrastructure plan likely coming the second half of this year. 
how do we pay for it? What does it mean to investors? The truth is higher taxes are likely coming and that's partially one way that we're gonna pay for it. But from an investment's point of view, we've seen high, um, uh, high debt for a long time. And I hate to say it doesn't matter, but there are other things we think that matters more. If the economy opens up and, and earnings keep coming in, that should still help your investments more than, uh, than the overall debt picture that we see out there. Denominator blindness. I, I like that. Yeah. Can, I may steal that one. I may use that one. We don't steal. We borrow. We borrow. In the That's right. So please borrow that. Because you can always yeah. give it back if it doesn't work, right? Hey, right, uh, right. so certainly when you talk about diversified portfolios, there's obviously a, a, an international component often to that. So let's kind of go global here. And it sure seems that your team is still pretty cool towards international stocks. What are your what are your thoughts there? Yeah, overall, we are, Scott. I've been with LPL for over, can you guys believe this, over five years now. I kind of blink. It's amazing. But we've been underweight, developed international relative to the United States, really, for the majority of that five years. And it's really done well because internationals underperformed. And when you look at kind of just the this the recovery globally, right, from where GDP was expected to be at the start of the year to now, we've seen big surges in the U.S. We just kicked off talking about that. Emerging markets have hung in there. But the growth we're seeing in developed international, specifically Europe, just isn't coming in. They continued battles um, with the demographic issues, with the continued battles with COVID-19. We would still say be a little underweight developed international, specifically Europe. Now, if someone really was looking for kind of a wild card in the developed world, we do like Japan. Japan has a real promising looking stock market, a little more inflation, new leadership. So we'd say Japan looks good. But overall, we also like, and I've been with you for a while saying this, emerging markets. That's the area around the globe besides the U.S. We like the emerging markets for good valuations, really good valuations. Valuations actually and economic growth. That's where we kind of that's where we're parking a lot of the money that we run for um, our advisors and for their clients. Ryan, we're over a year into the pandemic, and obviously things are looking good. The numbers are looking better here in Arkansas. We almost have have beat the coronavirus as far as just the raw numbers are concerned. Uh, there's there's a few cases popping up here and there, but what are you concerned about from an investment standpoint vis a vis this pandemic? And John, I hinted at a couple of these. I mean, valuations are high, right? Forward valuations on the S&P 500 are like up over 23. That's the high, let's keep this real simple. That's the highest level since the 1990s. That doesn't mean you have to go into a bear market. It doesn't mean stocks can't keep going up, but it is saying we're pretty much priced for perfection. We better keep this thing going. Also, think about a year ago, right? We, I come on with you. There's all these bearish things going on. Yet, guys, stocks are up over 80% from those lows. In fact, it was a really good buying opportunity. That contrarian in me wonders, with all this good news and everybody's bullish and everything looks good, I'm not minimizing it, but you know, could there be a little bit of a break? And last thing I'll say on this, if you overlay the 2009 bull market with this one, right? Bottomed in March in 2009 and 2020, massive rally into April of 2010. You know what happened after that? A six 16% correction uh, into the summer months of 2010. Who knows if we're going to have a 16% correction? But Mark Twain said, history doesn't repeat, but it often rhymes. The bounce we've seen so far matches that. We think some consolidation, a little bit of a well-deserved break could be perfectly normal, normal for uh, people and investors need to be open and ready for that when it happens. A little caution to end all that optimism with. I like the balance. Ryan, that's all we, the time we have. Thank you for joining us as always. Uh, my, my pleasure, guys. See you in about a month. Thank you. Thank Bye. you, Ryan. Get Ready for the Future show continues right after this. Always a pleasure to have Ryan Dietrich on the broadcast with us, and he'll be back next month. But if you would like more, uh, more frequent market updates, here's a great opportunity for you. You can get them delivered straight to your email inbox. You can visit fastest4.com or text the word FAST to 501 381 5228 to sign up. We do a little video each and every week. It'll be four minutes or less because we know your time is valuable. A quick market update. We'll also talk about retirement topics, uh, investment topics, social security could be in there. All of the things that could help you with your financial knowledge, you could get those delivered straight to your inbox by visiting fastest4.com or texting the word fast. Again, the number is 501 381 5228 to sign up. Been having a lot of fun. Uh, I got to I got to sign up for that because it's yeah. going away on social media. I've been watching you on right. social media. It's going away on social media, so I got to get that in my inbox because 
who knows what this guy will tell you. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. we heard him getting to do this earlier, and it sounded fabulous, so yeah. we're excited about it. Well, if, for those of you who have been listening to the program for a long time, you know that the Fastest Four has been a part of the radio program, but right. it was needed to uh, be a segment between two different affiliates because the formats were different on the two radio stations, but we don't do that anymore. We don't have to do that anymore, so we didn't want to stop the segment. So we've kind of got the, the new version going out, and I think getting it to your email inbox is a great opportunity there. So today's show topic is Ask Us Anything. We're taking your questions, however you can get them to us. If you are watching on our live stream today, uh, you can send them on the comment section wherever you're watching. You can also, uh, if you're listening on radio or on our podcast, then you're actually getting it pre-recorded, so you'll have to send it in for another show. You can send it with an email, info at getreadyforthefuture.com. You can also put it on our Facebook page or our Twitter page. And we did get a few questions on social media. I wanted to uh, give one that came in on my Twitter feed from Tim. Uh, He says, let me throw out this one. We hear a lot about new investment vehicles, digital currencies, SPACs, and NFTs. Are these investments someone are these investments someone should have in their retirement portfolios or are they more short-term high-risk offerings? We just came out of the investment segment talking markets and the economy with Ryan, so I thought that'd be a good place to stick this question in. Yeah, some of those things that you mentioned, Scott, are are not even available to the average investor to invest in, but uh, here is the the real rule of this. Number one, if you don't understand it, don't invest in it. If someone can't sit down and very clearly explain to you what the value proposition of an investment is, then you don't need to be putting your money into it. Look, I've been in the investment business for 30 plus years, and I have seen fad investments come and go. And I'm not saying any of those things are fad investments, but they are the the newest sparkly, shiny object that's out there. And you hear all kinds of stuff about, you know, this is doing this and this is doing that and all of that type of thing. Look, hitting a home run is not going to cause you to be financially independent in most cases. There are occasionally a person or two that that hits it just right into a particular investment and all of a sudden they're multimillionaires and that does happen, but that does not happen on a regular basis. You've got to understand that, that it is really very much slow and steady wins the race on investment choices. The things that we preach are fundamental. They are diversification, asset allocation, uh, being strategic about what you're doing and in, in terms of like the ready to retire process and the income for life model for someone who is approaching or already in retirement. Those are the things that are tried and true. Those are the things that work on a regular basis. Janet, uh, we've seen lots of folks get lured into lots of different things. And again, no disparity on anything that Scott right. mentioned, but it is certainly something that I don't know that you want to risk your serious money on. Well, I, I'll just go back to what Dave Ramsey refers to as his favorite book. It's The Tortoise and the Hare. And he will tell you that every time he reads the book, the tortoise wins every single time. And it's slow and steady wins the race. And there's nothing exciting about it. It's just one step in front of the other, in front of the other, in front of the other. Just keep doing it. And so the the thought is with investing, just keep doing what you know works. And there can be, you know, some great diversion, like, you know, the rabbit is flying past you and going, look at me, I got cryptocurrency. It doesn't matter. Just take your next step because we know how the story ends. Slow and steady wins the race. Let me let me add to this for just a second. We're talking about your retirement yep. here. Yeah. We're not talking about gambling money. We're not talking about fun money or anything of that nature. We're talking about the money that is going to produce income to you for the rest of your life. Now, I, I believe that if you would like to go over to the casino and lay all that money down on the casino and roll the dice on it and see what happens, good luck to you. That's probably not a real great formula for retirement. Things like, you know, SPACs and what have you, they could work out great. They could not work out. You could lose a bunch of money in in a situation like that. You just have to understand that we're talking about your serious money and money that you really don't have time to replace. And so we don't want to speculate with that money. We want to do very strategic things with that, very timely things with that, that we know will produce the results that you're looking for. You mentioned hitting the home run. 
in there, and that resonated with me. It's Sinkless Cardinal baseball season. Well, yeah. there, there is no yeah. other kind of baseball season. But <laughs> when you think about wow. that, when you think about that, John, the the lineup in a baseball team is not littered with home run hitters. No, no, it's diversified, right? That's right. You got to have some singles and doubles hitters in there because the other thing you know statistically, if you study baseball, is the home run hitters are also the biggest strikeout guys. That's right. Right. So swing and miss. Hit a home run occasionally. Do you want your retirement portfolio based on that? A diversified portfolio is like a diversified baseball lineup. You got to hit the singles and doubles. Hey, look, if you got extra money, you know, make yourself happy in doing whatever it is you want to do from an investment standpoint if you have extra money. Right. If you don't have extra money, if you are what we call a constrained investor, if you're, if you got to make this work, then you need to be really serious about what you're doing. You need to have a plan and a strategy to go with that money. I think we hammered that one pretty good. You want to move on? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Our next question, I'm a business owner. How can I help my employees? And we work with quite a few business owners, Janet. We do. I would say that the, the number one thing here is education. Um, 78% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. And by the way, that's a pre-COVID statistic. We, there's not anything out more recently than that. And so that number is probably a little bit uglier than what it used to be. But we know that people are highly dependent upon that very next check. So what happens when they are wanting to retire? And I won't even say ready to retire because I hesitate to say that they would be financially ready if they've been living literally paycheck to paycheck. So we believe really that the most important thing is for you to provide education for them with regard to preparing for their retirement. I mean, let's face it, it used to be the company's responsibility anyway to prepare somebody for retirement because they did it through their pensions. Now, that's not the way most employers work, but you can provide education for them about their retirement. So, guys, we have a program called Money Works, and think about it. It's pretty simple. It's teaching people how money works. Creative name here, Money Works. So we can come into a workplace, and especially as COVID restrictions are lifting, we can come into a workplace and do a presentation at no cost for your employees and help them understand how money works and help them understand their retirement plan that you may already have in place. If you don't have one, we can help you with that. But we also want to be clear that we're not in competition with anybody who might already have a 401k set up there. That's not our purpose. Our purpose is to come and educate. And we know that if we do that, then your team members are going to be more prepared personally for retirement. And frankly, where are they going to go when they get ready to retire? They're going to come here. That's People often ask, well, what's the benefit to you guys for doing that if you're not getting paid to come and present? That's the benefit. Number one is we're here to serve. We're here to educate. But number two, where are they going to go later on? They're going to come to GenWealth, and we understand that. So we would love to plant those seeds of education for you and with you wherever your workplace is. All you need to do to make that happen is text one word, workplace. Text the word workplace to us at 501-381-5228. Just text the word workplace to 501-381-5228. And I'll say, if you're not quite ready yet because of COVID, depending on what type of place where you work uh, and what the restrictions might be there, then go ahead and text us anyway, and we can set it for a later date farther into the future. Scott, we talked about uh, fads and, and things that are in vogue and what have you. In vogue is financial wellness. People really yeah. do need financial wellness, and it, it unfortunately falls to the employer to help with that. And we wanted to create money works so we could create financially well people so they would then become financially independent people. Mm-hmm. But you've got to be financially well before you can get financial independent. And so that's the the whole purpose behind this money works program. Guys, I, I failed to mention we do have, if you still don't want somebody physically physically present, we do have the ability to do this virtually, just like we're doing with our webinars currently. We can do a MoneyWorks uh, event for you virtually as well. Absolutely. All right. So time for another question. And this one is, what happens to my money when I die? And there was actually kind of follow up to this too. If What if I can't make decisions for myself? So there's the uh, loss of mental capacity issue here while you are still living and then of course being deceased what happens to your money after you die and that really the the answer to that is 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 up to you now to determine that because you have great amount of control if you take the proper steps in planning 
Absolutely. And, and we see real mistakes happen all the time in this. Uh, we have people come in with accounts from maybe other institutions or what have you, and they don't have a beneficiary or they have their ex-spouse as a beneficiary or whatever the case may be. There's a lot of train wrecks that can go on with what happens to my money if I die. One of the biggest ones is where you have a husband and wife have a non-qualified mm-hmm. or a joint tenants account but there is no transfer on death. So if something were to happen to the husband and the wife at the same time, which does happen uh, far too often, uh, then that money goes into probate. And that can be a real expensive and a real time-consuming process. And it doesn't even have to happen at the same time. If the surviving spouse just doesn't go and update things, then that can happen as well. And I'll also say, I would say, guys, we see this a lot on bank accounts. Like, it is very common. You have a husband and wife jointly owned bank account and they don't have a payable on death designation at the bank. My husband and I were recently doing some some paperwork at a bank and I asked about having a payable on death designation and they had a new person working with me and so I, I understand that but the guy looked at me real funny and he said oh you just go to the courthouse and handle that um, when, you know, when, later on and I was like no no we just do a payable on death designation now and then nobody has to go through probate. It's a big big difference so be sure you take care of that. Well, uh, hang out on that for just a second. I know that there are, are some companies in our industry that actually charge per year to yep. have a transfer or payable on death designation on their non-qualified accounts. We don't do that here at GenWealth. LPL Financial, our broker-dealer, doesn't do that. No institution we work with does that, but there are those out there that do charge for that, and I think that's that's really egregious in my mind. Uh, but let's move on to to the whole issue of uh, the, the, the key of um, – uh, making mental uh, decisions about not being able to, to go ahead. I was just going to say we need to take a break and then, oh, we'll, then we'll move on to that. All Is right. that okay? Please do. All Let's right. Do We're going to take our final break and continue on that thought right after this. Time segments are awful, aren't they? Well, they are. Right? You, know, <laughs> you, were on, you, were, you were on a roll, and I had to cut you off. All of a sudden, I look up, and it's like, holy crap. <laughs> it's like time, 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 time. Yes, we're, uh, <laughs> but we were talking about the, the whole issue of mental capacity and not being able to make decisions for yourself. Uh, folks, uh, the beneficiary thing happens periodically. Yeah. For all time that I've been in the uh, financial business, This is a gaping hole with a lot of people's financial plan is they don't have any type of power of attorney for someone to be able to step in and take control of their financial situation if they are unable to do so. And being unable to do so is happening more and more frequently these days. And so it is very simple. All you have to do is to go to an attorney and and get what is called a power of attorney. Now, this does not enable the attorney to do this unless you designate that attorney to do it, but it enables a trusted person, maybe a, a spouse or a child or something that can step in and make financial decisions for you in the event of your incapacity. And Janet, this you know sounds like it's, you know, oh, this is kind of one of these one-off things, but but oftentimes decisions have to be made on buying or selling a, a particular yeah. investment. And if the person is not mentally competent, yeah. we can't take instructions from I mean, them. I don't have any statistics on how common dementia is these days, but we know it is way more common than what it used to be. And so just use that as as one singular example of a case where you might want to, or will you would want to have this in place but it has to be done before the person has symptoms you have to have the power of attorney in place because they no longer have the mental capacity to agree to it once you get past that guys i'm going to uh, spin off a little bit on this power of attorney deal just because the stage of life where we are right now um, my son is 17 and he will be 18 in a couple of weeks and that changes everything legally i, I guess we need to start referring to him as a man child at that point because he is both both man and child, just depending on what the topic is, <laughs> or the and, day, yeah, or the day, or the minute. <laughs> yes. You know, that's how that's how it goes at that point. Truth. But but legally. The reality is that at 18, he's an adult, which means all of the things that we have ever done for him, I want you to think about going into a hospital and making decisions for your child. Well, he's no longer my child at that point. He is an adult and I am an adult. And so we're going to meet with an attorney and have a power of attorney and healthcare power of attorney and all of that done when he turns 18 so that when he goes to college in another state that, you know, they're not going to know me when I walk in somewhere. 
but I want them to be able to talk to me. I want to have HIPAA documents that say, yes, you can talk to my mom, even though I'm an 18-year-old. Good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And and so, you know, there's a lot of, you know, none of this is sexy. None of this is, is anything that you yeah. go, man, I'm going to do that this weekend. I'm yeah. going to get that done. Uh, but it is all essential to a good, solid financial plan. And I think that everyone watching and listening to this show uh, really does want a good, solid financial plan. Yeah. Don't neglect this part of it. Not stuff you want to think about, but stuff you need to think about. And that's kind of our next question, too. And we get this often in client meeting rooms. How do I pay for a nursing home or other care and we would actually reposition that question just a little bit to what if uh, i want to stay out of the nursing home right how right. what steps do i need to take to stay out of a nursing home because the issue here is if there is an acute event or long-term illness that requires you to have outside care either brought in to your home or if it's more severe and needs to be in a facility either way that needs to be incorporated into your plan. How are you going to pay for it when and if it happens? Scott, the state of Arkansas has a Medicaid program. Every state has a Medicaid program. Uh, it is for it is a social safety net for folks that don't have any money and they end up having to have long-term care and they end up in a nursing home. Number one, no one wants to go to a nursing home. I don't know anybody that, that goes, yep, that's me. Sign me up. I'm ready to go right. or anything of that nature. And secondly, I don't know that anyone wants to be subjected to, uh, you know, a Medicaid bed and a nursing home because it is a different level of care. Now, let's talk about how you avoid that. You avoid that by either having the money to pay for the care or having insurance to cover the care that is provided to you. You can go a long, long, long time and, and probably even avoid a nursing home uh, altogether if you have enough money to have home health care. But if you don't have enough money to have home health care, there are insurance programs that can actually substitute for that money for the home health care. Yeah, I, I think when a lot of people think about long-term care, they just automatically in their minds go to nursing home, which terrifies everybody. Nobody wants to think about ever being in one. And so they just don't want to deal with it. So the emotional response is, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. So you don't. Well, that's a problem, and that's how you wind up in the in the situation that John just described, where maybe you're in a Medicaid situation with the state paying for your care, and it's not optimal, and you're certainly not getting to stay at home. It is within your power, however, to make an intentional decision beforehand, and that's how we would want you to address this, is to, with a financial advisor, walk through the conversation, and you can either choose to self-pay if you have the funds to be able to do that or you can choose to to pay for a policy that will allow you to still be at home for as long as it is physically possible for you to still be at home as long as your health allows you to stay at home that policy can provide for your care at home in fact you could use the funds for it to pay somebody to mow your yard it doesn't have to be for your care once you have qualified to receive the benefit, then it's going to pay out. I want to remind you that your money in retirement is to pay for two things. It is to pay for your dignity and your independence. And so when we at GenWealth are talking about long-term care issues, we are trying to do that with the, the focal point being to help you pay for your dignity and your independence. It might be self-pay. It might be through a policy. We don't know what your individual situation is, but we are going to keep top of mind awareness on you paying for one way or another your dignity and independence so that you can maintain that. This highlights the need for a retirement income plan, too, from my perspective, yes. because either you're going to have an income plan that is robust enough that your assets will not run out if you need to pay for care in, in a self-insured situation, or you have enough monthly income built into your income plan to pay for the premium for the long-term care policy. So the retirement income plan can help set that decision up. You're right, Scott. Uh, the average, uh, that, now this is a, a statistic uh, on a 65-year-old couple retiring in 2019, they can expect to spend more than $387,000 on health care, and that is not including uh, the, the Medicare premiums and things of that nature. That's $387,000. Can your portfolio withstand that? If so, great. You may be in a situation where you can 
can self-pay. If not, then you probably need to look at some type of insurance and do that with discounted dollars, not with the full dollars of that $387,000. You don't have to spend $387,000 on premiums on an insurance policy to cover that. You simply have to pay the premium of that insurance policy to be able to provide $387,000 of benefit. And I think that has got to be one of the most uh I guess, avoided questions that there are about retirement uh, that people really do need to be pushing their financial advisor to address with them. We're going to try to squeeze at least partially one more question in here. What's the best income strategy for minimizing taxes? Taxes is a big thought on clients' brains when they come into the meeting room, for sure. And I think the answer to that greatly depends on what type of accounts you have. That's right. And and we're going to really break this down at a special webinar we've got coming up on April 22nd. It is at 6.30. Your attendance is is welcome, but attendance is limited. You need to go to GetReadyForTheFuture.com forward slash events and sign up for how to reduce taxes before retirement. We're going to have that great webinar coming up on April 22nd at 630. Sign up for it, limited seating, but you can definitely uh, get that done without any problem. Or you can actually uh, uh, text taxes to our text number 501-381-5228. Do you need a bell for every segment now? I don't know if we do need to. <laughs> just to let you know, it's time to wrap it up. I, I, I don't, oh, I'm never going to. Yeah, no, I'm being hard on you. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just uh, you know, relax here uh, and let you take your shot. Yeah, that, you know, I did, it, I did it a couple of weeks ago, so I shouldn't, uh, I shouldn't throw stones. But it is time for our final thoughts. That's the bell for that. We'll start with Janet. I, I would just say you've worked hard to get where you are in life, wherever that might be. You've worked very hard to get to the point where you can even think about retirement. So we've answered a lot of questions today, but we're certain that we haven't answered all of your questions because they're usually very individualized. So if you're ready to get your questions answered, just feel free to reach out to us. Have time to sit down with an advisor who can address your personal questions. All you need to do is give us a call, 501-653-7355. Scott, I don't I'm going to peg off of what Janet said. Just because it's called financial independence doesn't mean you have to go it alone. Mm -hmm. Uh, A good retirement income plan begins with a relationship with a financial advisor. If you don't have one, give us a call. We will be more than happy to help you get down that road. Well, since we had to rush through the uh, invitation to the webinar, that'll be my final thought. We didn't really get to vet out uh, our answer to that questions. Uh, That question, how do I minimize taxes in retirement? We have a webinar, How to Reduce Taxes Before Retirement, coming up next week. It's April 22nd at 6.30. And as John mentioned a couple of times there, the attendance is limited. So to reserve your spot, you can go to GetReadyForTheFuture.com forward slash events or simply text the word taxes to 501-381-522. We'll answer your questions and give you some great insight and education on how to reduce taxes before retirement. Well, this was a a jam-packed show. Uh, We didn't get to probably half the questions we had prepared, (laughs) but we thought that might be the case. We will definitely invite you to uh, email questions to us between now and next week, and we'll get to those as well. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to help us get the word out on building toward financial independence, leave us a rating and review. The Gen Wealth financial team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 501-653-7355. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment and no strategy can assure success. Gen Wealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC.